Praise God. I'm, I'm with Tristan. I think we just went to church this morning. And I'm excited the opportunity to get to share with you just for a few moments. I will not be taking very long. And if you believe that, I actually have some oceanfront property in Arizona. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But Merry Christmas to you guys. Thank you again for being here the day after Christmas. And for all of us who are so excited about the Christmas, Christmas festivities leading up to Christmas, I'm just as excited about the Christmas festivities leaving me because I honestly don't think my belt buckle could handle any more. I really don't know that I could handle much more of the, of the, the, the sweets and the rich foods and I couldn't hardly sleep last night. It wasn't because I was anxious about this morning. It was because I ate so much yesterday. And so I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas season. Obviously, what we did this past Friday night was amazing. We just being together, celebrating Christ's birth, and just going through um, just some wonderful time together as family and doing communion together. Because honestly, that's what Christmas is about, is what, what we do uh, on those days and just celebrating Jesus and, and the savior of our life. And so, but not only that, but you know, I, I want to just kind of recap. Christmas is about God's gift, yes, to us, but it's also about him pursuing us. You see, Christmas is about his pursuit after you and after me. He is pursuing us, and that's why he sent his son, Jesus. You know, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 9 verse 6, we all are familiar with the passage of Scripture. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. That's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. But there's one thing that, going back through that passage, you know, there's a part in that that passage of scripture at the very beginning for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given you know it almost sounds repetitious doesn't it a son and a child but see that's not repetitious at all matter of fact it's very detailed in what he's saying when the prophet Isaiah was prophesying many years prior to Jesus coming he was saying for unto us a child is born what he was saying is a child would represent the humanity of Christ See, the child is the humanity of Christ. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever wondered, why, why, couldn't, Jesus, why couldn't God just go ahead and create a Messiah, just like he created Adam? Why did, why did Jesus have to come the way he did? It was simple, because this was the only way he could be fully God and fully man. In order for him to be acquainted with us and to really know who we are and to be identified with our our struggles and our temptations was because he had to come as a child. He was formed in his mother's womb just like you and I were. He experienced some of the same struggles that you and I experienced in our childhood and all throughout life. But the only way he could do that, he had to be born as a child. So unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. A son represents his deity. A son represents, it is God with us. He sent himself, wrapped up in baby flesh, and said, I want to be acquainted with you. I want to be identified with you. See, he brought his identity here so that we could be identified with him. Did you hear what I said? He wanted to be identified with us so that we can now be identified with him. We could put him on. 
and we could be, experience his love. We could experience his joy. We could experience his kingdom. Because when it says, and the government will be upon his shoulder, it's the government, the kingdom of God is not on our shoulders. The kingdom of God is on his shoulders and he would accomplish what he came to do. The zeal of the Lord would perform it. And I love that part about Christmas. It was a gift that was given to us. But let me tell you this. Christmas is not only about a gift given, but do you realize Christmas is about seeking? Christmas is really about seeking because why did Jesus come? He came to seek and to save the lost. Also in John chapter 4, it says that the Father, what? Seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, Christmas is not only about a gift given, but it's also about him seeking and pursuing you. So if you would, grab your Bibles real quick. I want you to do this. I do this every week, every week that I preach. Pastor Bobby, no, I'll just, but just go ahead and hold it up. Say, I am what his word says I am. I can do what his word says I can do. I can be what his word says I can be. And today, I will hear his word. I will receive his word because I love his word. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, I made it. I made it. I made it here. Praise God. Praise God. I made it after Christmas, and I'm about 40 pounds heavier. Anyway, praise God. Matthew chapter 2, if you will. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to say a little bit about a story about some seekers. These people were some seekers. They were seeking after Jesus. And you know the story of the three wise men. They were seeking a star. We kind of summarize a little bit of this in Scripture before we go to this passage I want to start with. But as you know the story, King Herod was king. And these three wise men made their way to Jerusalem. As they saw a star, it said that they met with Herod and they said, we saw a star rising from the east and we came to see this king of the Jews, this Messiah. Where is he? Because we want to come and worship him. Well, King Herod obviously was pretty, pretty disturbed by the idea of another king in his territory. So he met with the religious leaders uh, that, that was with his camp there and he met with them and said, okay, where is this, this Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, well, in Bethlehem. So then he went back to the three wise men and he said, hey, listen, I tell you what, if you can go ahead and just continue to find him, seek after him and get to him, once you find him, let us know where he's at so we can come and worship him too. Of course, we all know that wasn't going to happen. He was coming after him to take him out because he didn't want to have any competition with him as king. So the wise men then in verse nine, it says this, it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now just think about this for a moment. These three wise men were considered magi. They were actually astrologers. They were, they were ones who would study the stars and try to figure out 
more about the stars, and they were seekers. They were basically seekers. And some commentaries even say this, that, that they were probably descendants of some of Daniel's students. And if, if that's true, if that happened to be true, then that would probably explain a good bit as to why they would understand that there's this star rising over Bethlehem, and they were coming after the Messiah to worship him. But see, on their way, they were seekers, but on their way, you got to understand, this was not just like, hey, there's a star rising up in Muscle Shoals, and we're going to go over there and see this, this baby. No, we're talking, it took months for them to travel through some terrain that was probably pretty difficult. It was a journey in seeking the Messiah. It was a journey in faith. And church, many times for us, we journey in faith. We, we don't necessarily know. We just know we're, we're seeking after answers or we're seeking after our, our, our Savior. But the journey that we take is in faith in hopes that we will see what we've been seeking for. And some of you over the last few weeks, you journey in faith in Target, looking and seeking after that gift that you promised your kid or your spouse you were going to get. And for some of you, you waited till Christmas Eve, Tristan, to find that last gift. And you found yourself seeking in faith in hopes to find it. And probably some of you found yourself in Target realizing there was nothing left and going, oh no, I promised my kid I would get them this thing. And so then you're starting to seek and search and look and find and and you're looking for the best deals and you're trying to, and then you, you finally get to some place to find this gift that you've been looking for and you realize someone else has already got their hands on it. So some of you probably were not very Christ-like when you found that, that gift and that person and probably got them in a headlock and said, I'm going to take, you know, who knows? The truth is we journey in faith. We journey in faith. And not only do we journey in faith, but we journey together. You see, the story of the Magi here, the story of the wise men is many believe that there was an entourage that went with them. They couldn't do it just the three of them. They took people with them. We're going to go together and we're going to seek the Messiah. See, we need each other. And what I love about Christmas is that it's at the, for us, it's at the end of the year. And it's at the turn of the new year. It's almost a pivotal moment where we look back over what was and we're looking ahead on what will be. And Jesus is right in the middle. And guess what? We get to do this thing together. We seek the Messiah together. Because you know why? Because we need each other to encourage each other. This journey is not easy. This journey in faith has its, has its issues, has its problems, has its struggles. But I'm so glad that I get to do it with Melissa. I'm so glad that I get to do it with my family. Because I need your encouragement. And you need ours. It's important that we realize that as we seek We seek in faith and we seek together. And so as we turn over into this new year in 2022 and 2021 is behind us, I want you to remember this one thing. Seek first the kingdom of God. I can't can't say it enough. Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. All these other things will be added to you if you just seek first. And I love how David said it in Psalm 27. He said, one thing I have asked, this one thing that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of my life, and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. In verse 7 and 8, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says of you, Lord, your face I will seek. As we step into this new season, this new year, keep your eyes on Jesus. Seek him first. And I promise you, I promise you, if you're seeking after him, you will find him. Keep your eyes on him. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to share just for a few moments of your faithfulness and of your goodness. And Lord God, I just pray that our hearts are ready to receive what you have. God, we want to receive from you today. So make our hearts ready. Make our lives ready. God, because we want to step into this new season with you. We know, God, you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You were with us then and you're with us now by your spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray that right now we make room for your spirit to make the word come alive to us today. Make this message come alive to us that we will seek after you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For me, I I grew up in a, a real godly home. My parents actually are here today and we, uh, we grew up in the, the house of the church. We grew up in the house of God, and, and we celebrated together, and we were f- constantly going to church. I mean, the doors were open. We were there. We were making, my parents were making sure that you're going to be in that pew, even if we're there late at night. You, if, if you have to sleep under the pew, you're going to be there because it's church time, right? So I grew up in a very godly home, and Music runs in my family. My grandfather was a, a music minister at a Baptist church. My dad was a music minister at a Baptist church. Uh, my family would sing together. We would do some different stuff together. And, and so all through the years, music was part of our life. And, uh, and so about age eight for me, about age eight or nine, we, we went from the Baptist church into a charismatic church, Pentecostal church. And then about age 16, I started playing drums for the worship team. And then about age 18, I guess I started leading worship. And that's been, well, if I tell you, that'll expose how old I am. Anyway, it's been a long time. (laughs) But uh, worship was a part of my life. It was what I did. And I remember as a young worship leader, I'll never forget it. I, I just started leading worship and I would come out onto the stage with my eyes closed and I'd grab the microphone and I would sing that, those songs and have my eyes closed the whole time. And then I would open them up just long enough to get off the stage and walk right off the stage. I was scared to death in leading worship. And, and I was doing this for a while and I started getting really frustrated because I would find myself trying to make people worship, trying to make people seek the Lord. No, make you, I mean, lift up your hands. Praise the Lord, you know? And then I just, I just get angry. Like, why aren't they seeking God? And I found myself one, one Sunday afternoon 
after church, I, I found myself in, in the choir room on my face. I was in the corner of the room and I was just crying. I, it just resonates with me even now because it was so personal for me. And I was just asking the Lord, please, God, I can't do this. Like, I can't make people worship. I, I don't want to keep doing this over and over. It's just so frustrating. I'm not going to make them worship anymore. And he looked, I remember it like it was yesterday. The Lord spoke to me. He said, no, you can't. But I, I, I can lead them in worship. If you seek after me and you follow me, they will follow you. If you follow me, they will eventually follow you. Don't get frustrated. And what, that was so liberating for me. Because at that point I realized I didn't have to depend on my gift. I didn't have to depend on my talents. I didn't have to depend on my own strength to do something and make something happen. I had, all I had to do was depend on him. And it wasn't just in my giftings and my talents that I found myself depending. It was daily life. I don't have to depend on him. Or I don't have to depend on myself. But I have to depend on him. And if I would just seek after God, if I would just seek his face, if I would just be seeking him first, the kingdom, all the other things will take care of themselves. Seek first the kingdom. I love what A.W. Tozer said. And this was back in the 1940s when this quote came out. But he said this, he made this statement. It says, it is certainly true that hardly anything is missing from our churches these days, except the most important thing. We are missing genuine and sacred offering of ourselves and our worship to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this was before all the lighting and all the, all the, the, the fanfare that we see in church today, all the cushy seats and making everything comfortable for you. We're talking, he was making this statement that everything was okay except the most important thing. We're not bringing an offering to God. We got all the programs right. We got all the songs right. We're singing the right lyrics. We're, we're doing the right things. We're listening to the messages and, and we're trying to apply those things to our life. But the truth is, if we're not seeking after him, what are we doing? What are we really doing here? We need to be seeking him, going after him. It's sad to me, worship has become an idolized thing where we're more concerned about the entertainment and less concerned about the sacrifice. Second Corinthians 4, verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, worship and seeking the Lord may not be seen in the natural, but it's seen in the supernatural. We have to learn to set our eyes on things above. We have to set our gaze on the Father. We have to set our face before the Lord and realize that this, that there's life, things in life that are just temporary, but God is eternal. So we fix our eyes on the eternal. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I'm going to say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. When you magnify, you make it large. You make it bigger. How do we do that? How do we magnify? In order for me to magnify Tristan, I'm picking on you today, 
But in order for, for me to magnify him, what do I have to do? I have to get closer to him. Does that make sense? In order for us to magnify Jesus, we have to get closer to him. If I don't want to get closer, I can't make him bigger. I can't make him larger in my eyes. You see, many times we make our circumstance, our problems, our issues in life bigger than Jesus because that's what we want to be closer to rather than him. He is the promise that we need to be drawn closer to. So we want to seek first. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom and all the other things will take care of themselves because you've made him bigger than everything else. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All the other things will be added. You know, there's an image, if you will throw that image of that radio. How many of you remember these type of radios? Now, on the staff here, I've got a nickname called Peepaw because apparently I'm the oldest guy here. But I remember this kind of stuff. That's why I'm Peepaw. But... But in order for you to, to be able to hear a radio station, you had to turn that little tuning knob over there. to the, the needle had to go to the right frequency in order for you to get it dialed in so you could hear it clearly, right? In order for us to dial into a frequency of heaven, we have to position some things in our life and get it in the right place so that we can get rid of the static. Hear me. Many times we're turning that knob and we're not dialed in. We're just listening to the static rather than listening to God. We have to dial in. You have to position yourself to be able to hear from him. It's not only the position of the needle, it was also the location of where you were. In order for me to, to get to that radio station in Huntsville, Alabama, I had to get closer to Huntsville, Alabama. I can't, I can't dial it in here. I've got to get close. Come up. Listen, I'm about to preach up in here. You got to get closer. There was also this other I'll never forget this image if you throw that one, next one up. You remember that? Oh, yes. I remember I would lay on my back and reach my foot up to that dial and just turn it with my foot. And any time the president was on, it was, you couldn't. You, that was it. Like, the president is talking. That means I can't watch my best show anymore because everything else is. But I remember mom and dad, we had, we had one of these and it wasn't just the antenna on the back of the TV. We also had this coax cable that ran out of the, and ran up this antenna on the house that, I mean, you know what I'm saying. It had to point to the right direction. And, and sometimes we'd get static. My dad would say, go over there, son, stand by the TV. And I'd stand by the, hold that antenna. I'd hold it. We'd have aluminum foil on it. And we would figure out ways to get that signal right. It was all about positioning in the right place. It was all about pointing in the right direction. And the only way you could be able to get rid of the static is to dial in. Church, we listen to way too much static. Your static may be social media. I hate to tell you. Your static may be some things in your life that 
Maybe you're not willing to get rid of, but I'm telling you, in order for you to hear God clearly, you better tune out the static and start tuning into God. Come on, somebody. It's all about your position. It's all about where you dial that knob. So the first thing we have to do as seekers stepping into 2022, we've got to make seeking personal. I want to say it again. You've got to make seeking after God personal. I can't seek him for you. Pastor Bobby, Toya cannot seek him for you. This is between you and God. You have to make it personal. You have to choose to make it personal. We can't let church and ministry in the church become a replacement for our relationship. You being here on Sunday morning is wonderful. But that can't be the relationship that you have with God. You got to make it personal. Ministry comes out of an overflow of your relationship with God. Many times we want to make the mistake. We, make, we will even make mistakes with our gifts and our talents and our callings and our purpose. But our purpose was for his pleasure. Amen? And I believe David made it pretty clear in Psalm 27 when he said, this one thing I ask of the Lord. This one thing that I will seek. I. Not, not you. You can't seek God on my behalf. That's my thing. It's a personal thing. And David was saying that. He was crying out to God. This one thing that I ask of the Lord. This one thing I seek. I would dwell in his house forever. What was that? Dwell in his presence. Dwell in his glory. Dwell in his relationship with the Lord. You remember the Pharisees in Matthew 15? They, they, Jesus calls them out. It's so funny because here, here the Pharisees are, the, the, the thing about the Pharisees, they were the ones who were supposed to be telling everybody how to worship. They were the ones who were supposed to be training people and teaching people how to make sacrifices, how to worship and all these things. And then Jesus calls them out and says, hey, Bro, you, you, your lips are saying the right thing, but your hearts are way over here. Your lips are saying the right things and doing the right things, and you're, you're teaching everybody how to worship, but, but your hearts are far from me. You see, we, we've got to make it a personal thing, and it's got to be from our heart. It's got to be after him. It can't be a ritual that we just go through over and over and over and over again and expect our, our things to change in our life. I'm telling you, you've got to get closer to God. You've got to draw closer to him. I love, you know, I, with our kids, many times this has happened. We'll be in the living room and my, my kids will say, Dad, where, where are the nail clippers? Where, where are the nail clippers? And I'm looking at them. They're sitting right there. Well, first of all, they're sitting with me in the living room. And I'm like, I don't know. Where are the nail clippers? We're all in here together. I don't know. Where are the nail clippers? I... You've got feet. You can get up and you can go and find them yourself. Why is it they always want to ask us? Why is it? See, church, we do this in our own churches. We go to our pastor and we say, can you give me this answer? Now, you've. You, you got it right here. Here's the answer. But we want them to dig for us. We want them to seek for us. That is not the case. You got to make it personal. This is your job, church. This is your job. And it's, 
you've been given everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness right here. Don't make it someone else's job to seek God for you. It's a personal thing. Second thing we have to do is we have to make it priority. You can't just make it personal. Now you've got to make room for it. You've got to make time for it. Luke chapter 5, it says that Jesus would withdraw himself sometimes to desolate places to pray. Why would he do that? He would do that, obviously, as his personal time in seeking the Father and getting direction from the Father and spending quality time from the, with the Father. But he was also teaching the disciples the priority in stealing away. He was teaching the disciples it's so very important for us. as believers. Listen, you, you can't minister unless you're first ministering to God. If you're not making him the priority, how will you ever, ever expect to minister to other people? Remember the story of David. He was found worshiping in the field. He was the little shepherd boy. And he was out there playing his harp, watching over the sheep. And he was spending that time getting closer and closer to God. He was tuned in. He was dialing that needle, that, that place. I'm going to turn my, that frequency in the right place so that I can hear from the Lord, that I can be acquainted with him, that I can actually understand him and seek his face and, and get to know him more intimately. And then we also know that as he then the father finds him in a sheep field because it says he found a man after his own heart. He was dialed in to heaven. He was dialed in to the Lord. So he brought him out of the sheep field and put him in a place in the king's chambers in front of King Saul. And he began to play and worship. And he's driving out those evil spirits. You see, what happens is if you make it personal, seeking the Lord, and you make it priority, you will always find yourself right where you're supposed to be. If you make seeking him personal and priority, you'll always find yourself right where you're supposed to be. But then you know the story continues. He becomes king. He's very successful in the battlefield. But then he has this moment where I think he turned that tuning knob just a little bit off, and he started getting static, and he had an affair with Bathsheba. He started listening to the static noise. He started finding himself in a place where, you know what, I don't, I don't need to be so intimately with God. I, I, I can do this. I'm king. There was pride that started to slip in, and I think he started to turn that dial just a little off, and he found himself in a bad place. Found himself in a staticky place. He moved that dial just a little bit too far. And the next thing you know, he was in an adulterous affair. But what I love about David is that he found himself, after that moment, he was right back on his face seeking the Lord. There's times in our lives, church, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tune off. We're, we're not going to be dialed in. And, and that's part of it. It's a daily thing that we have to continue to seek after God. And there's moments, but... But I promise you, if you will just turn your face back towards him, he'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. But we have to be very, very careful. The last thing is this. Not only is it priority and personal, but seeking the Lord requires persistence. 
It requires persistence. I want to circle back to my opening passage with, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. It says, after listening to the king, these are the wise men. They listened to King Herod. After listening, they went on their way. And it says this, and behold the star that they had seen. The star that they had seen. And even when they talked to King Herod, they said, we, we saw, not we're, we see the star, it was we saw the star rising from the east. What that tells me that is along that journey in faith, along the journey in seeking after the Messiah, the star went out or the star disappeared. Something happened along the way for them to say that we had saw the star. Church, we're going to be faced in life with these moments where there's a season of gap, where, where once we saw the light, we saw the promise, and there's going to be a season where we're like, I, I know God told me that. I know he, he gave me a promise, but I'm just not seeing it fulfilled. But what do you do? What do you do in those moments where there's the gap? It's like Pastor Tristan said a moment ago. You just keep keep seeking. You just, you just keep moving forward. You keep doing what you know to do until God shows up. You keep, you keep your face set on him. You keep your, your attention set on that promise and don't give up. You don't, you don't grow weary in doing good. You continue to, to, to pursue the Lord. And when you do that, you'll find yourself, because I promise you, this is what it says, is that they rejoiced exceedingly when the star appeared. After they had met with King Herod, then all of a sudden the star reappears and it leads them to the house where Jesus was. Because, and they re rejoiced exceedingly. They, they were full, filled with joy because that promise that they set out on months and months of a journey on when they got to Jerusalem, it reappeared, and all of a sudden, they're right where they're supposed to be in His presence. There's times in our lives, there's going to be a season of gap, but you just keep moving forward. You see, the promise is not always found on a mountaintop. The promise is found in a manger. I said it's not found on a mountaintop where you can see everything happening it's found in the, some of the lowliest of places. Your promise may be in the lowliest of places, but it's the promise he promised you. If you just stay the course, don't give up. Verse 11 says, And in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And then it says, Then opening their treasures. Some translation says, Opening their treasure chests. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You see, there was three distinct gifts that were given. You see, the gold represented kingship. They brought gold to the king. It was, it was customary in those days to bring gifts to the king. So they brought gold to represent gold to the king. And so then frankincense. Frankincense was also a a very distinct gift because this is what was used in the, the temple in their, their sacrifice of, 
of, of worship that they gave to the, to the king. They would use frankincense in the temple as a, as, a, as a form of incense to offer up their worship to the Lord. So it was not only representing the king, but it was also re- representing his priestly role. He was not going to be a king only. He was going to also be a priest. And then they represented, or they actually brought myrrh to the Lord. Myrrh represented what they would embalm bodies with. So it was representing his soon-to-be sacrifice that would be given for you and I. You see, these weren't just three gifts. They were just randomly given. They were very distinct. But no one ever talks about the fourth gift. There was a fourth gift given. And that fourth gift was this. Prior to them laying down the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it said that they bowed down. You see, this is a gift. They bowed down and they worshiped him. They offered themselves. They offered more than gold, more than silver, more than frankincense and myrrh. They offered all that they had. They gave them themselves to Jesus. They worshiped him. This was the most precious gift that they could ever give was them. Their sacrifice, their offering to the Lord. My challenge to you today is going into 2022, would you offer him your life? Would you offer him your heart? The last thing is this, in Matthew 26, I'm going to read this passage. Matthew 26, verse 6, you are all familiar with with the story, but it says, Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came, came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and money then given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied to them, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. You see, this woman gave the absolute very best that she had. It's probably something that took years and years to store up. It was worth probably a year's wages, it says. She held on to this alabaster jar. She had treasured it up in her life. And she broke that thing and poured it over him. And I love Jesus, what he said to the disciples is, don't criticize someone else's worship. 
Church, don't criticize someone. You don't know what they've been through. It's personal. Their worship. Our worship is personal. You don't know my testimony. You can't criticize my worship because you don't know where I've been and what he's done for me. And I will bring the most precious thing I have and throw it at the feet of Jesus because he's worth it. He's worth my everything. He's worth it all. And what this woman did is she laid it all out. She didn't care. I don't care what the disciples think. I don't care what anyone else in this room thinks. But at the end of the day, I'm going to offer him my very, very best. And some of you today, stepping into this new season, this new year, my question is, what will you offer him? What are you going to bring to him in this coming year? Are you going to give him your life? Because he will meet you there. Seek first the kingdom. Let it be a priority in your life. And may it be something that is personal to you. So we're going to go back into this song that we ended with today. There's just something on this song today. And I don't don't want to leave this day without giving you an opportunity to give it all to him. Pour it all out on him. Maybe there's some, some myrrh in your life, some things that represent death that you need to get rid of. 2021 held a lot of things. Maybe some things you need to cast at the feet of Jesus before we step into this new year. You need to say, hey, that was then and this is now and I'm gonna live right now because it says this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right now. Not, I... New Living Translation says this, I will see the goodness of the Lord while I'm here. Why do we, sometimes we're never here. Our our minds aren't here. We're thinking of something else. But while you're here, that's when you'll see the goodness of the Lord. So would you stand to your feet? We're going to go back into this song. And I want, literally, I want you to just open your heart. And I I want you to offer to God the very best that you can. And if there's things in your life that you need to give over to him, today's the day. Say 2021 is is wrapping up and I want to give you my life today. I want to give you those things that I've held on to and I don't want to remember them anymore. Let go of them. Offer them to God.